You are listening to Special Features, the only podcast on the internet that dares to discuss something called popular culture. What that is? Well, we'll get into that throughout this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you will be hearing a definition, Oxford Dictionary style, of what popular culture is. And the man to bring that to you is my co-host here on the show. My name is Cameron James, and his name is Alexi Toliopoulos. Alexi, please enlighten our listeners. What the hell is popular culture? Well, Cameron, popular culture is essentially a set of beliefs, values, actions, objects, or goods and practices that are popular at any given time and space in society. It can refer to things like art, literature, fashion, dance, film, television, magazines, and ways of living, to name a few. That's right. And today, we are mainly going to be discussing magazines. (laughs) So, Lex... What glossy mags have you been reading this week? Oh, gosh. I've been reading lots of glossy magazines. I've been reading PC Gamer, the official Mm -hmm. Xbox magazine. I've been Mm -hmm. reading uh, (laughs) Kidzone. K-Zone? K-Zone. I I knew that was coming next. Somehow, I just knew K-Zone was coming next. I literally was racking my brain I was trying to think of what what would Alexi think of when he's trying to think (laughs) of a magazine. (laughs) What are all, I was like, what is every magazine I've subscribed to in my life? K-Zone was yeah. one of the first ones that came to my mind. Sure, of course. Of course. Did you ever subscribe to Rolling Stone? Never have subscribed to Rolling Stone. I've bought it a few dozen times in my life, but I never was mm-hmm. a subscriber. Were you a subscriber of Rolling Stones? Of course. It was a go-to birthday present for my family to give me throughout my teenage years was like re-upping my Rolling Stone subscription. And many of them are still in my parents' house, in my old bedroom. Just stacks of magazines that will never be looked at again by another human. I should probably throw them out. I also, uh, not to give too much away about myself, subscribe to a magazine called Ralph Magazine, which I don't know if you recall. Of course, Ralph Cifaretto's Ralph Cifaretto's <laughs> magazine that he started during the making of The Sopranos, <laughs> where you find out all things going on in Ralphie Cifaretto's life. I love all of his kinks, all, all of his, his kinks, kinks fully on display for you to get off to. Yeah, well, that's kind of what the magazine was about getting off to things because it was a a gentleman's magazine. Mm-hmm. It featured images of. Models in bikinis and articles on things like motorbikes and cars and shit like that. It was wow. very much a lads mag. Have you um? There's a there's an interesting uh story at the moment that uh from Rolling Stone they did a list called the 50 biggest mistakes or worst decisions in movie history. So it's a big list. And would you believe that coming in? At number seven is Twilight Zone. Movie fails to take proper safety precautions. That's a huge mistake. But number six... Mm, That's a a real blooper. And (laughs) number six, would you believe it? This is worse than what happened on the Twilight Zone set. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller get fired from Solo midway through production. So That is definitely worse than what happened on the Twilight Zone set. 
Bigger mistake. Bigger mistake and history will know it as a bigger mistake from henceforth. Thank you, Rolling Stone. Hey, speaking of news items that maybe aren't in Rolling Stone magazine, although I'm sure this was reported in Rolling Stone magazine. <laughs> yeah, maybe. If they, are, if they are sticking to their journalistic mm-hmm. bona fides, uh, they would have covered this. The uh, WGA agreement has sort of been reached, it seems like. Yes, the AMPTP and the WGA have found the common ground so the strike is basically ending so i would say this Mm -hmm. it shows that how much power solidarity has with the unions that it was a five month ceasing of work the necessary action to keep their livelihood for the future of the industry have come to some kind of conclusion. So, basically, we'll probably start seeing late night and daytime talk shows coming back soon. And I would say on that, do you know what I think the turning point was in favor for the unions, for the WGA? Was no shit. Truly, the world turning against Drew Barrymore was what I think was the turning point. Because... Could you think of a celebrity more beloved than Drew Barrymore? Like a universally beloved America's sweetheart coming back to work, scabbing it up, and everybody basically taking the side of the striking workers. And Mm. I think that was like a, a huge cultural shift that actually could not be ignored by the producers. That's cr- That's so interesting. I think you're right. When we look back on this in years to come, we will position that as the turning point, I think. Because that was the so. first big... Uh, the thing that I saw where it was like, it was everywhere. This idea of like Drew Barrymore kind of being a scab and um, returning, crossing the picket line to return to work and then yeah. walking that back, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, pretty interesting. Pretty, pretty interesting. cool. As of uh, as of the time that we're recording this, it's not official. I think there's still mm-hmm. the statement that I saw said they're still waiting for the lowercase T's and I's to be crossed and dotted. I not by the way, I did notice they didn't mention lowercase J's, so we don't know yes. if they're being dotted or not. It could be American style. They might not do that kind of thing over there. But in Australia, we love to cross those lowercase J's. <laughs> We don't cross them, bro. We dot them. I cross them and dot them. <laughs> oh, no. That nulls the contract. Oh, that shit. That makes it void. <laughs> shit, shit, shit. No, shit. Oh, God, no. I mean, I don't have a lowercase j in my name, but I always put one as a little <laughs> smiley face every time I sign a contract. So, basically, with the WGA, I think it just needs to be voted on to make it all pass. And then I'm pretty sure it sets precedence for the SAG after strike as well. And then that will mm. be the next step. Yeah. But it's probably SNL is going to come back soon. That's what it means. Oh, yeah, dude. Thank God, dude. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, in similar oh, news, God. in Australia, we've had also a bit of an ex- existential industry crisis um, coming up amongst us, which is the New South Wales government, which is the state that Cameron and I live in, was basically doing a huge budget cut on their screen industry, like $60 million. So it was like mm. pretty much being like, okay, well, I guess I'll never make anything in my life again. 
But the New South Wales government, because of pressures from the screen unions, the screen industry, uh, basically probably coming to the realization of like how much, like billions of dollars that industry generates, has reversed this controversial decision to act $60 million in funding from the screen industry. So thank the Lord, it's it's not going to happen. I, I really was thinking I have to probably move state to start working again, but it's going to be okay. Thank the Lord and the Miller for that happening and uh and hopefully some of that funding comes yours and my way that would be really nice i'd love it if they'd give us a few mil i would love to be trickled down if i can get trickled down upon from a million dollars i absolutely really love that to happen to me please just the golden shower me with coins you know i just would love that i'd love like three or four mil three or four million dollars i would make something really nice for you a little web series, yeah. and then I would live off Make the rest the of the money. Fucking best web series. It'll be really funny. I promise you. I'll have really great gags in it. Six, really great. Fifteen grags. minute episodes, and then I pocket the money and live quite <laughs> handsomely for a few years. <laughs> a few years of lobster and caviar dinners, please. <laughs> hey, you know what's exciting about uh, like the arts coming back around the world and potentially more projects being made? Mm-hmm is that more projects are being made. For example, NBC are apparently rebooting The Office again in America. How exciting The Office will be expanding. Uh, hopefully, it's about a merger happening. Um, I've got a quote here from Greg Daniels where I guess this story begins with, I can't sure. tell whether fans would want more of it, and when I say more of it, I don't think it would be the same characters. I think it would just be sort of like an extension of the universe you know what i mean like the way the mandalorian is like an extension of star wars but i don't know if that will be something people would want or not it's hard to tell i love that quote because the quote is literally just a fishing rod that he's holding out over the internet and saying tell me what you think and i'll either make it or not make it Mm -hmm. and i think most people will say that they don't want to make it I think. I feel like people quite beloved that show. I think it's quite adorable and cute. And I'll admit I'm one of those people that has watched it multiple times. Mm -hmm. And I probably will watch it again in its entirety at some point. Um, I don't know if I need to see an extended universe of it. Like, do I need to watch just like six more seasons of, I don't know, like that that Clark guy... (laughs) Clark Duke. Clark Duke. <laughs> I want Clark Duke back on my screen. Although I do like Clark Duke. I like Clark Duke. I like Clark Duke. I, I yeah. always... I remember when The Office was ending, I was always thinking, like, wouldn't it be interesting if there was a sitcom that took the model of Saturday Night Live and was basically like, okay, we're just going to... We've done this thing. Let's just keep going. New cast, new comedians. Let's mm. keep on going forever. And I kind of thought at that time, The Office could be a show that does that. I know Scrubs kind of tried to do that, probably around so that did, same time. So did The Office in many ways as well, mm. by having revolving guest hosts for a little while as yeah. guest Michaels, you know? Guest Michaels. You got Will Farrell, you got Ray Romano, you got yeah. Robert California, played by James Spader. Yeah, I actually quite really like Robert California, if I'm He's honest. He's a great Cam a great character, in my opinion. I don't, I don't, I think it's a cool and interesting idea what you're proposing, 
but I don't think it would ever be successful because the reason people stick around watching sitcoms is because of the characters. Mm. It's not about the plot mechanics or about the world. It's about watching those people and getting to love those people and those actors. So, I just can't see that ever really happening. Okay, I mean... I'll go fuck myself. I'll fuck myself. Every idea I, guess, I have is shit. I'm not saying you should go fuck yourself, but maybe it, would, it wouldn't be such a bad thing if you did. <laughs> if you went to go Because it actually does feel instead. quite nice. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think they should reboot this show? Um, you know what? My care factor is almost zilchance. <laughs> if they were to do it again, who knows? I guess it would be kind of, um... I don't know. Like, I think you're right because it would be the same thing. It's like... Because it is the characters. Like, if they're going, oh, Michael Scott is back. Dwight Schrute is back. Craig Robinson is back as foreman guy. You've got uh, you, you got Jim Halpert in there. you got um, his beautiful wife that he almost cheated on in that final season. That, I can't wait to find out if they're still happily married. So, I would tune in. I'd tune in to find out. Even knowing that it would probably be a spin-off, but if they go, oh yeah, did you hear that guy that used to work around the corner fucking cheat on his wife again? I would, I'd be interested. <laughs> what if it is Mandalorian style and it's just they pick like one character from the warehouse and follow that guy for a little while? Or not even him, just like a guy that kind yeah. of looks like him. Like his that's, cousin or something. That's it. <laughs> Like they get the the who's the the guy that played Pam's first boyfriend or the her fiance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They guy. just go there, but not even him. It's like yeah, we got Jason Clark to play a guy that works in another warehouse <laughs> around the corner. That's so crazy. I I don't think it'll. I can't see it happening. I think the internet will say we don't want it, and Greg Daniels will go, "Hey, I was kidding." Everyone, I'm a fucking comedy writer, and that was a joke. You guys are stupid. The only way I can see is kind of like how we have talked about the Australian version of The Office that I guess it's mm. been filmed, it's happened. Um, it, the way that I saw that and came, came to understand at least why it was happening uh, is that there are some people that the entire consumption of media is a constant flow of the US office on Netflix, on a loop. And that's what they do. They mm. come to watch that over and over <clears> again. <throat> so there's an audience in there where you could just slot something new in quite easily and just add that to the rotation and it would get buco, buco, buco downloads. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, will I? would I be curious? Sure. But would I watch a whole season of it? I don't know. I think if they just made it as a funny or die webisode, I would watch that. Okay. Well... I, I do too, and I hope Funny or Die becomes the biggest website because of it. Me too. I love funnyordie.com.au. <laughs> yes, that's the Aussie version of Funny or Die. And yeah, Cam, James, and I are fucking Jake and Amir on there. We're the Jake and Amir of Australia. <laughs> yeah, I know that's college humor, but it's a, in the same kind of energy of what I was trying to go for. Oh, hey, you mentioned SNL earlier, and that reminded me. Um, Leslie Jones has a memoir out at the moment. Have you been seeing the press cycle for that? I have been. Pretty interesting. It is interesting. I can't wait to read it. The book's called Leslie Fucking Jones, which Great is title. cool because it has fuck in it. The fuck um, word, one of the noisiest words. It's up there. It's probably in the top three, along with piss and nerd. Oh, shit, man. I might have to bleep that. I might have to bleep that freaking nerd drop you just had. 
<laughs> um, I'm excited to read the book. I've been uh, catching glimpses of it. She's been doing the podcast rounds and doing a bit of press at the moment, talking about her experience on SNL and how she felt like it was a bit of a meat grinder that churned people in and out, didn't really take mental health mm-hmm. into account. And Played into personas rather than characterizations. Which is 100% true. Um, mm-hmm. One of the fun things I've seen going around is that she's talking about um, how her and Chris Rock talked quite a bit after the slap incident in the Oscars. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to get the book almost exclusively to hear about that. The slap. The Christosokos. That's all I want him to do. Christosokos should do <laughs> A new book on the slap, but it's the more famous the, slap. Is that the Aussie uh, <laughs> book about a, a lady that slaps a child at a picnic yeah. or something? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Very famous book in Australia. Very famous. Do you reckon Top- it's famous anywhere else? They did a US remake of the of the of the show. Did they really? Yeah, I think there's a US version of the slap, the, the <laughs> a live action slap. Fuck yeah, yeah, you're right. But all, that was the most famous slap until until, until Will Smith and Chris Rock. Yeah, that's awesome. That is cool. Awesome. Wow, Brian Cox plays Manolis in the slap TV show. Wow, I haven't read it or seen it, so I don't know who that is. But is he? What's his character's name? Oh my, sounds like a Greek Manolis, yeah, he's a Greek guy. Oh so my Bri- God. Brian Cox is playing a Greek guy? This is crazy. I'm going to give you the cast of the American version of The Slap. You got Melissa George. She's in the Aussie one too, coming back. Zachary Quinto, Brian Cox, Peter Sarsgaard, Uma Thurman, Lucas Hedges, then Dewey Newton. Uh, you got Penn Badgley and Blythe Danner and Victor Garber. My God, this is a star-studded for who gives a fuck. <laughs> My lord. <laughs> that is a pretty fucking amazing cast. <laughs> For a show that no one will ever watch, surely. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right, I'm going to watch it this tonight. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, the last bit of news I wanted to bring up to you was, uh, I mean, and we can, again, file this under Who Gives a Shit, along mm-hmm. with the Slap US series. <laughs> Uh, um, the uh, 1980s pop star Rick Astley has filed a lawsuit against the rapper Young Gravy. Whoa, so Young Gravy's a rapper. Young Gravy is, what did you think it was, a food stuff? (laughs) I thought it was. (laughs) A condiment? Yeah, maybe like some sort of condiment, like a powder, like Greybox. <laughs> no, I've heard the name and I've seen the guy, but I just kind of assumed I didn't know what kind of music he would make. And I thought he was a but musician. I he was saw musician. the name. You saw the guy and you saw that his name was Young Gravy and you just didn't associate the word young with a, a rapper at all, rapper, a trap rapper. I should have. I actually should have. I should have. Young Gravy also sound like um you know, man gravy. Yeah, yeah. Because what's younger than sperm? It's the youngest a person can be. Yeah. I wish that Benjamin Button ended that way. (laughs) He just swims off. Becoming a puddle of goo. (laughs) He swims off. And like one of those tragic fishes in those rivers, he climbs up a fella's penis at the end of the movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> and lives the rest of his heaven in a guy's ball sack. <laughs> so, Young Gravy is a rapper. And you know what? You've stumbled into something there because he's quite horny. His stuff yeah. is quite horny stuff. I know he likes MILFs. I know he likes MILFs. I've heard that. He likes MILFs. He likes GILFs. He doesn't really care where he gets it from as long as he's getting it. Okay, good um, He has this song that I've been hearing a bunch lately, like just in the wild. When I'm out there at the shops and stuff, I've heard this song. It's called Betty by him, and it's set to um, like a sample of Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Okay. And it's like a slowed down trap beat version of that song, and the hook of the song is the same as the Never Gonna Give You Up hook, but he's singing about other stuff. He's not singing about love. He's actually singing about um, girls that he wants to fuck. Including Betty Boop. (laughs) Betty Boop probably is a gilf, if she's still around. (laughs) Yeah, I think she's a (laughs) g-gilf. She's old. Um, And anyway, so, like, it's it's one of those boring stories where... The fucking music publishers that he works with owned the rights to Never Gonna Give You Up. Mm. So they were like, hey, we got to do something with this. And he was like, all right, I'm going to write a song about all the chicks I want to fuck and all the money I want to make. And they were like, okay, I guess that'll do or whatever. And it's a hit. And Rick Astley has signed off on it. But the thing he didn't sign off on was that they used a sound alike of his voice in the song. Oh. To sing along with the hook And so now he can sue them for that Because they're like stealing his identity or whatever It's like very similar to This instance in I think the 90s Or perhaps the late 80s Where Bette Midler Agreed to have one of her songs Used in a Ford commercial And they hired a Bette Midler impersonator To sing it So that everyone just thought it was fucking Bette Midler oh, And wow. she sued them and also quite similar to the Marvin Gaye estate suing Pharrell and Robin Thicke for Blurred Lines, um, where, which, by the way, was one of my favorite court cases ever because Robin Thicke had to go on the record and admit that he just didn't really do anything in the studio for that song at all. He was wow. like, yeah, man, I was too fucking stoned. I didn't do... N- it was all Pharrell, man. Pharrell did all that stuff. Pharrell. I was mainly just... I was mainly just sitting around fucking smoking weed, man. I don't even know. But it's made me think, uh, hearing Rick Astley used in 2023 in like a TikTok famous Mm -hmm. trap rap song, I feel like I'm living in a simulation because like, didn't Rick Rowling start nearly 20 years ago? For me, I feel like it was a high school thing. Like, I feel like I remember that was happening in high school, getting Rickrolled. It's such a crazy phenomenon that, like, the song was ironically beloved in about 2006 in, like, Mm -hmm. an internet joke way. And then now, nearly 20 years later, it's still kind of being used as a punchline or as a joke. But Um, also kind of revered as a classic as well now. Like, I think it's had- Well, maybe that's the thing. 
I think if, I think it's had its full tenure. Like it back in then, it was like, wow, look how daggy and lo-fi this video is. But it's this guy fully singing his heart out, and now it's kind of like, oh no, that's a classic '80s song now because it's in that 20 years, the song itself became a classic of the 2000s. Yeah, that's true. And I guess like I've looked into it a little bit. It came out in 1987. It was a number one hit at the time. He did have a follow-up song called uh, Together Forever, which was a number two hit. And then another one, which did a little bit less. And then his career kind of petered out a little bit there. But I suppose like the original resurgence of it in the 2000s, in our era, was making fun of it. Like it was deliberately used as a trolling punchline Mm -hmm. and... Probably the reason it was picked in the first place was because he was like a small little ginger man with a deep voice Mm -hmm. that sounds weird. And like it was kind of chosen as a joke to kind of make fun of this guy a little bit. Um, But now you're right. I think it is kind of like a genuine classic of the 80s, retrospectively probably. Yeah, probably. Retrospectively, like I I had never heard of it at that time except for in the context of it was a funny internet joke to go, hey, check this link out. And then it just goes, you're like, okay, yeah, awesome. I got Rickrolled. Thank you very much, mate. I'm a loser, I guess. I'm being bullied. I'm getting cyber bullied by a YouTube video. Thanks so much, mate. Appreciate it. You might find this interesting. It's actually not written by him. Rick Astley didn't write the song. It's written by this songwriting team called Stock Aitken Waterman, who are like three British songwriters that just wrote pop hits for other people. Their biggest hit is probably You Spin Me Round Like a Record by Dead or Alive. Okay, and I've been pranked by that song as well on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They also did Do They Know It's Christmas, the Band-Aid song, the charity single. But their biggest hits are actually... Written for Aussies. They Whoa, wrote okay. a lot of Kylie Minogue songs in the 1980s and Jason Donovan. Oh, far out. I was going to say there is like a Kylie Minogue. What are they, like Locomotion? Or- no, so Locomotion's a Carol King song, um, mm-hmm. but they wrote I Should Be So Lucky, which is one of oh, her yeah. big songs from 1987, the <sighs> year that I was conceived. Um, yeah, may I have even s- been playing on the radio while mum and dad were doing the nasty. Your dad was probably like, God, I am freaking lucky. I'm about to blast. <laughs> Create my beautiful I'm ha- son. I'm having a blast and I'm about to blast. <laughs> I'm about to bloody whip up some young gravy over here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would say this. I should be so lucky. That's a song that for once upon a time... It plagued me, that song. Because do you remember the Fat Pizza TV show? Of course you. I don't know. I'm saying that like you wouldn't remember. You know it. I know you know it. Uh, Yeah, I think I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's one detail. A part of that show is that they used lots of copyrighted music, but they would only play like probably Mm. four seconds of it because they could probably get away with it on broadcast TV back then. Um, And there was an episode that had like Kylie Minogue was in it, but it was probably like a lookalike that was playing her or something like that. But every time she was on screen, they would play a bit of I Should Be So Lucky. And I remember watching that probably when I was like 13 or 14 years old, like watching that episode over Mm. and over again. And there was two weeks of my life 
where I actually could not get that song out of my head. For more than four <laughs> seconds, it would come back to that song. And it just got, re- it really got stuck in my head. And there was a, I vividly remember when it left my brain. And I was like, I can never hear that song again, just in case. And I can happily say I can hear that song now and it doesn't get trapped in there anymore. But it was no shit cam. Two full weeks. It was never more than three seconds away from my thoughts. And I almost went a bit crazy. I've actually heard other people describe this phenomenon with other pop songs. And they describe it as a form of torture. Now, I've Mm. never really experienced it. I have songs in my head all the time. But it's never driven me mad. Was it really, like, infuriating to you? It was maddening. It was actually maddening. Yeah, truly. How strange. And I think it's probably because, like, in for me anyway, my relationship to music, sometimes I'll get stuck on a song and really like it and want to listen to it over and over again. But this Mm. one was like, it just could not leave, it actually could not leave my head and there was no way around it. I think if it had gone one more week, I probably would have had to seek professional help. But it just eventually just disappeared. Do you think it's like an anxiety thing that you just like keep repeating the song over and over in your head? I have no idea. Kind of deliberately? This one, I actually have no idea what it was. And I've never had it since. Like, you know, at the moment, I've got the song Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John stuck in my head. Your Philadelphia Freedom. <laughs> yeah, because I Shana think it's me. Gonna, it sounds. Shana I love you. Shine light. I love it. Love it. Good song. Got that stuck in my head. Yeah, it's a good but song. But that one was like, it was maddening, maddening experience. Mm, maybe because it's just not that fun a song for you. No, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> mind it now, but it was like, yeah, when I was a kid, it fucked me up. That's a crazy one, man. So those guys, they wrote a bunch of hits um, and Never Gonna Give You Up became a surprise one. Rick Astley was an unknown at the time. As I've already mentioned, it was a number one. Then he had a couple of minor hits. Then he kind of dropped off. And then this Rickrolling thing really brought his song back. Now, do you remember your first experiences with Rickrolling? Um, it would have been in high school. It would have been probably on MSN Messenger where it would have just been like it, the prank had probably just started going viral, made its way to Australia. A friend would have been like, and I'm assuming it would have been like, you know, my friend Kiefer. He was very on the memes back in the day. I can imagine him being like, hey, check out this interesting thing and sending me the video. And I can imagine I just got watched the video and go, yeah, what, what's the joke, man? Like, I would have just <laughs> yeah. watched because it's the first time encountering I would have just watched it go like, yeah, I guess I like 80s music. Thanks, man. <laughs> It's such a uh, online thing, isn't it? When a, a completely earnest piece of art has a secondary meaning, which is just, hey, isn't this stupid and aren't you stupid for looking at this? Yeah. It's, so, it's so online. I, always, I wanted to know when I was reading this news story this week what the beginnings of Rick Rowling were. I don't know how much you know about it, but it's I know explaining... Zilch. Like, explaining the joke, I think, will make it even less funny than it already is because it is just a series of, like, online 4chan in-jokes being, like... But but the interesting thing about it that I found is that there's three or four simultaneous examples of this song being used for trolling purposes that are completely unrelated. Whoa, okay, interesting, interesting. All kind of happening around the same time, which Mm. I think is really weird. So that implies to me that 
somehow, some way, in 2006, this song was having some kind of a resurgence anyway. Like, okay. this song must have been played on, like, soft rock radio or a classic, classic hits classic type, hits type mm. shit. Enough around that time that different people around the world started using it as a punchline. So there's uh, an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where the gang, and I love calling them the gang. The gang. Because the gang does. The gang get invents Rick Rolling. That's a good episode. (laughs) Good episode. (laughs) That's kind of close. The episode is titled The Gang Dances Their Asses Off. Okay. And in the episode, this song is featured quite extensively. Uh, they seem to think, the guys who created that show seem to think that they helped popularize the song again in the culture. Mm-hmm. But around about the same time as this episode came out, maybe even, maybe even before this episode came out, it was already being used in 4chan threads as a kind of punchline joke, similar to Rick Rolling. There was a thing called Duck Rolling, which came beforehand, which was the exact same premise. Someone would put a link up and say, click on this link and you'll see like footage of Osama Bin Laden's cave or whatever the fuck. <gasps> and then they'd click That's on it. That's one of my greatest dreams. And lo and behold, they would actually be linked to a picture of a duck that has been photoshopped to have wheels on it. Okay. And that was called duck rolling. Very and interesting. that's so funny. I and can imagine clicking really- on that and going... Ha, 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 very funny. <laughs> I want to see Osama Bin Laden's cave dwelling. <laughs> Not a picture of a duck with wheels on it. You, sir, sir, you have bested me. Sir, you have bested me. You bested me. I must off my cap to you, sir. You've bested me in the game of wits. Tricked again. You rapscallions, at fortune. I mean, and duck then- rolls, sir. You've been duckled. And then, guess what? Some silly son of a gun went into 4chan one day, and as a prank, he decided to control F, change every instance of the word duck to the word Rick. How weird is that? Yeah, okay. Um, it's <laughs> pretty weird. It's, I guess it's... <laughs> That's so. That is really weird, though. That's a weird. And thing that's to how do. the word. That's how the word Rickroll came into existence. And people oh. were like, "Rickroll, what the hell is that? What would a Rickroll be?" And one okay. guy was like, "What if it's this?" And I'll change it to a link to the video of Never Gonna Give You Up. By and Rick that Astley. is how Rickrolling came to be around oh, about the shit. same time as the Always Sunny episode aired. And around about the same time as a guy on the other side of America who was not on 4chan started pranking radio shows by calling them up and then when they put him on the air, he would just play the song Never Gonna Give You Up by Ring Astley down his phone line. He would rickroll them live on the air. Holy shit. Before the word rickroll even existed, he was rickrolling the radio. So there's three simultaneous examples all happening at the same time that all led to Rick Astley becoming popular again in the 2000s in an ironic way and then becoming a genuine classic in the 2020s and now suing Young Gravy and taking him to court. Far out. Okay, I'm going to just... I'm trying to extrapolate something because I reckon 
I can imagine the always sunny thing that's happening individually. That's happening. I can imagine the guy pranking the radio stations because I can imagine that being like a very specific in joke that one guy can have. I think that's mm. funny. That's really funny to have a really obscure song that one guy's like, "Hey, check this out. I'm gonna, rick- <laughs> I'm gonna, I, we can't say rickroll. It doesn't exist yet. And, but then I can imagine the I'm gonna f- duck roll these guys, but with the Rick <laughs> Astley song, with a Rick song. But then I'm imagining the 4chan, the Rick roll on 4chan. I think that has to be the progeny of either one of those first two. Hmm, yeah, maybe it came about because someone had heard about the radio prank or had even heard the radio prank happen live on air a couple of times Mm. and thought it was funny. That's so interesting, Cam. I'm a bit thrilled by this to find out the origins of Rick Rolling. I I was fascinated by it, but mainly because I just wanted to know how the fuck Rick Astley is found himself in a courtroom with a TikTok rapper in 2023. And the fact that it kind of all leads back to this weird prank in 2006 is very funny to me. Wow. I don't think Rick Astley could have played the, that any better in his life, that he was able to kind of like take on the ironic reclamation of his song and just hmm. roll with it. Rick style, I guess. Or duck style. Yeah. He's a little duck with wheels on. <laughs> Anyway, so that's the uh, spontaneous history of Rickrolling for you right there. And um, now would be a good time to play the clip, but I don't want to. No, I think no, no. I, I want to reclaim the song as just a good song and not an ironic song. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our episode, Cameron. I believe so. I, I don't have uh, anything else I'd like to say apart from be good to each other and, um, you know, go with God. Okay. I would say I would (laughs) echo those thoughts. I would echo those. But in the meantime, if you would like to see more from Cameron James, you're going to be performing at the Just For Laughs Gala. I am. I've actually never played the Just For Laughs Gala before. I know. I'm so excited for you, dude. Yeah, I'm very excited too. It's something that I've always wanted to be a part of um, over the years, and I'm very happy to be involved in them. So, November 15, I'm playing the musical comedy gala for Just for Laughs alongside Tom Cardi and Gillian Cosgriff and another artist who I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but I will say anyway, because who cares? Kat Cohen is playing on it as well. Awesome. Very exciting. And I'm on the um, Sydney Opera House gala as well on November 18. And that is with Becky Lucas and um, Sam Taunton and several others. They're, They're so cool. I feel very lucky to be... Involved in them, hosted by Melanie Bracewell. Very stoked for that. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you're in Sydney, I'd love it if you'd come along to one of those shows. Um, and seeing as I'm plugging things that are happening in November, I may as well say I'm also coming to Perth on um, the 3rd and 4th of November. So, if you're, uh, you know, if you're in Perth, come along to one of those shows. I'll put all the details up on my Instagram. Go see Cameron in Perth then. Is that funny? That's really good. That's really okay. good. That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, this weekend, I'm at Brisbane, both Brisbane-only Repulsive Liquid Film Festival, Philip oh, Brophy. Yeah. Uh, I'm hosting the screening of Philip Brophy's Body Melt. And Sick. 
Reanimator. So that's this weekend. Come see it. Come hang out. Back in Sydney the next week after that, basically. I got two other special screenings coming up. One of them is for this Bondi Wood Film Festival, which is like all these like interesting local films, kind of like big movies and films being unearthed. Um, I'm hosting a screening for a film that I really love. That's like a true discovery. It's hard to find. Uh, it's a movie called Going Down. And it's like an Australian hmm. Sydney set share house film. Hayden Keenan is the director. It stars Esben Storm. They were creative collaborators. We talked oh, about their cool. movies a couple of mm. weeks ago on this podcast. And so uh, Hayden Keenan has done a 4K restoration of this really rare film, his own film going down. Uh, it's great. I think it's like it's in that same kind of place as Dogs in Space of like Australian yep. share house movies. Mm. Really, really cool. I can't wait to see this restoration. So I'll be hosting that at the Bondo Wood Film Festival. Uh, I'm actually so stoked because I just it's a movie I never thought I'd ever get to see again, let alone in a beautiful new restoration. Um, so, so I'll be hosting that with the director and the cast. Uh, and it's basically all the core creative team that would go on to create uh, around the twists, basically. Um, so cool. Yeah, it's like their adult, their adult films before they went there. And then the week after that, October 9th, it's a Monday, uh, mm. I'm hosting a screening of Regent Placid Lake with Ben Lee. It's like a 20th yeah. anniversary screening. So it's going to be real that's cool. going to be real fun. Yeah, so that's come sick. I love that movie. That's fucking great. Great movie, great movie. So, a lot of screenings in the future. There'll be more stuff down the line as well. I'm working on a few programming things at the moment. So, stay tuned. Lots of great, I'd say, in the month of October in Sydney, especially. There's this, It's kind of an unprecedented time for repertory screening. There's lots of classics being screened at a few different venues around town. Lots of stuff on film more than ever before so if you love classic films and you want to discover like lots of different things keep your eyes peeled um there's just heaps of stuff happening at the moment everywhere in sydney when it comes to film rock and rule rock and rule rick and roll thank you my dear brother cameron for joining me on another episode of the podcast we'll have the appropriate links in the show notes to all of those things you can click on through and Thank you very much. There isn't any more. 